It's hard to believe, but we're almost a month already into the new NFL offseason. Still, there are plenty of intriguing free agents out there on the market. Which players might appeal to the Seahawks heading towards the draft? Nick Lee and I are going to be playing a little bit of deal or no deal on today's Blue Friday installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. There are a number of free agents still out there that could potentially help the Seahawks. Nick and I are going to be playing a little bit of deal or no deal. We always love our games on our Blue Friday episode, and we're going to continue our 2022 NFL Draft Preview, checking out the ever-so-important center position. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We are less than three weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft, and all 32 teams are putting in their final homework gearing up for the three-day festivity, many teams having their prospects in for top 30 visits. Teams can have up to 30 players come into the facility, meet with coaches, team personnel, and undergo medical examinations and physicals. And I don't want to sugarcoat this too much. It's not that these visits necessarily determine whether or not a player is going to be picked by a certain team. I've been told by several sources in the past the Seahawks have had visits with players that have caused them to not want to draft a player. So these are high-stakes meetings that don't necessarily translate to the Seahawks and all the other teams picking players. But at the same time, Nick, the Seahawks have drafted a number of players, including Frank Clark, Malik McDowell, LJ Collier, that did visit them on top 30 visits at the VMAC. Yeah, you know, the two of those guys really worked out, you know. <laughs> no, it's uh, and the it is certainly not an end all be all that they meet with them for sure. Um but it's not nothing. Absolutely. There there is something to that. There's some things you can learn obviously to to meet face to face and and to meet and and, and visit and, and go through things with with these players is pretty big, especially Corbin when we when we mention um some of the guys visiting and and one is uh, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. I think if you're really, really wanting to, you know, maybe put your chips in on a possible franchise quarterback of the, of the future, definitely this is something you want to do before that happens and, and making sure, you know, I don't know if you've, you've seen that movie Draft Day, you know, you want to ask him why so-and-so wasn't invited to his birthday party and or why, you know, those kind of questions and those kind of things that that really you can get down to the nitty gritty and, and get to get to see what what helps this or what makes this guy tick, and just to kind of start off with Desmond Ritter and and, and his visits for me, um, just everything I've I, again I'm not going to pretend to be some quarterback guru, um, but and, and he's certainly I would put money down that he's not going to be the first quarterback taken in this draft, but he, he looks like a guy that's the classic high floor but maybe not the highest ceiling. Um, kind of guy. He's got the experience. He's got the size. He's got the mobility um, and that, that you want, the arm talents there, but maybe not the highest ceiling and maybe not a high risk, high reward, kind of like a Malik Willis or maybe even a Matt Corral, but maybe he can give you a bit more juice and production at the first few years. Um, so the fact that they met with Desmond Ritter, I think 
it itself is very significant because they're really trying to court and find their franchise quarterback, and that is not insignificant. I think that Ritter, and I've talked about this in a couple of our shows earlier, I think he checks off as many boxes that the Seahawks are looking for as any of the quarterbacks in this class. I think he's the most pro-ready. I think you are onto something saying he might have the highest floor. I don't know if I necessarily agree, though, on the idea that maybe he doesn't have as high of a ceiling. I mean, this is a guy that's got a lot of physical tools. Now, the one thing he does not have, he does not have a cannon arm. He is not going to be a guy that's going to be launching the ball 90 yards downfield. He is still an effective enough deep ball passer, but he doesn't have Russell Wilson's Howard, sir. Let's just put it that way. He's not going to be a guy that's going to launch the ball all the way down the entire length of the football field to DK Metcalf, but he has the ability to anticipate and throw receivers open. He uses his eyes to look off defenders. He knows how to read defenses. He's got four or five speed and knows how to use that both extending plays and making plays with his legs as a runner. So, I mean, he checks off a lot of boxes. And Cincinnati is now a national brand in large part because of him. He was a four-year starter for the Bearcats. They went from being a bottom feeder team in their conference to becoming the first non-Power 5 team ever to play in the college football playoff. And a big reason for that was Ritter. Now, he's not the only former Bearcat that the Seahawks reportedly have had a visit with. Now, this other one gets me really excited because – Ahmad Sauce Gardner, in my opinion, the number one corner in this entire class. And there's so many things about him that scream Seahawks. Six foot three, long arms, ran a four four one to go with that. So think Richard Sherman's size with more speed. Now, I don't think he's got the best change of direction skills, but this guy can play zone. He can play man. Didn't give up a single touchdown in coverage his entire college career. And he played against teams like Alabama in the playoff. And he's a lockdown corner. Didn't get targeted much and still had nine interceptions with the Bearcats. Derek Stingley's a very good corner, but I think Gardner's number one. And he just, even if they're going to play more man, I don't think it matters. This guy is just a fantastic corner. That's the kind of player that makes you think, you know what? We like developing late round guys, but this guy has all pro caliber talent at pick number nine. I think he's one of the few guys that would make sense to stay there if he's available. Yeah, if you're looking for a guy that is the closest thing you can find in 2022 in the draft to Richard Sherman, this is absolutely it. He, he's he's got what, what what I've noticed in just some of the I watched an abnormal amount of Cincinnati games. I couldn't get enough of the Bearcats just as a future Big 12 uh, uh, foe with BYU. I, I've kind of started to watch them a little bit more, and and I really really enjoyed um, watching what he's what he's become. And I, I like that he had a chip on his shoulder. He was he was under recruited, and he earned his way through, and now he's he, he's he's fiery. He's he's a little chippy, and and he's he doesn't back down. He didn't he didn't back down in that game against Alabama, and he didn't he didn't back down against a, in any sort of competition. And yeah, the the length, the speed, the the competitiveness, everything that you know Richard Sherman was and is, I, I think that uh, that he would he's very lob like if if you're looking for a guy to kind of maybe jumpstart that new era in the secondary, you could do a lot worse than Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Looking at the other players that Seahawks reportedly have had in for visits, a couple of offensive linemen tackle Rasheed Walker out of Penn State. Cole Strange, a center out of Chattanooga. We'll be talking about him a lot more here later on the show. Safety Percy Butler from Louisiana Lafayette and Michael Clemens 
from Texas A&M. He's a pass rusher, defensive end, linebacker, could play either one of those positions. Of those four players, the one that I'm the most intrigued by is Rasheed Walker, who was a three-year starter at left tackle for Penn State, and he's got light feet. He mirrors really well. And the thing that intrigues me is I feel like as a run blocker, he's just scratching the surface. There's been some inconsistencies with the physicality from him, but he is capable of dominating opponents in the line of scrimmage. And he's got the light feet and lateral quickness to win as a zone blocker too. So his play is uneven at times. He's going to need some development. But I also think, starting three years in the Big Ten, that Walker's a guy that could be a candidate to walk into your starting lineup, at least at right tackle, on day one. So not surprised Seattle's got interest in him. They met with him at the Combine too. So he is clearly a player that is heavily on their radar. Yeah, I mean, you you, you know, playing in the Big Ten, you're going to be facing the some of the premier pass rushers in the league that Michigan and Ohio State offer, and you know, Penn State is no slouch themselves, that, and he, so he's going up against some pretty darn good players in practice as well. I think just facing that type of high level competition is is uh, is really important for me. The one that I thought was very interesting was Percy Butler, and just some more I learned about him because when the Seahawks met with him, I'm not going to pretend like I knew very much about him, but I I, I went into some detail and man. This guy, talk about your your Pete Carroll special teams like teacher's pet. This guy has that written all over him. Just he's a great tackler, and he's got he's got experience as a gunner, and he you know, plays with reckless abandon. Maybe not you know a future starting safety in the NFL, but if you're looking for a late round guy who could just be a rock on special teams, Pierce Butler could be a, a guy that that's worth looking at. Yeah, he's a player that I actually have gotten to watch a few times. And the Sun Belt kicks out some good NFL players. And so even if he's just a specialty guy there. and you're developing him behind Quandre Diggs, I don't think there'd be any issue with picking a safety late in this draft. Now, if you pick one early, that's not going to make any sense with the money they've invested in Diggs and Jamal Adams. But certainly they could look for some reserve caliber players that have great special teams qualities late in the draft that they can bring in and have a chance to make the 53-man roster once we get to August and it's preseason and training camp time. We're going to shift our gears to free agency. We love to play games on Blue Friday. Going to play a little bit of deal or no deal looking at five free agents still out there on the market that might intrigue the Seahawks as we get closer to the draft. They continue to put their roster together. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Master Championships, as well as the start of Major League Baseball. They've got odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering informational needs, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm Corbin Smith, joined by my co-host Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast. We've got analysts that cover all 32 teams that pitch in with insight and analysis Five days a week, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, streaming five days a week on YouTube. So make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast wherever you subscribe and listen to podcasts. Free agency has really slowed down to a lull. I, in fact, I can't remember the last signing that was reported. Melvin Gordon to the Ravens looks like it's going to happen, but 
There's been very little activity since the calendar flipped to April. Not abnormal. There's usually a flurry the first week or so, and then things start to slow down. Teams start to shift gears to the draft. And then there will be another wave of free agency after the draft when teams have a better idea what needs they still need to fill. With that being said, Nick, we're going to take a look at some free agents that are still out there on the market and play a little bit of deal or no deal. We're going to be listing off a player with a contract, year number of dollars that they're going to get, and then we're going to decide whether we are going to take the deal or not. The one other rule that we've got, you and I, with the Seahawks having less than $10 million in effective cap space, we cannot pick more than two of these contracts to say deal to. So there's going to be three of them that we have to say no on. We can't accept all of these contract offers, but this should be fun. So let's get to it. Our first free agent here, we're going to go to the quarterback position. Now, I'll admit, you and I were looking for outside free agents, but if you just want to check out who's available on the market, Cam Newton and Ryan Fitzpatrick are the most noteworthy quarterbacks that are out there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the verge of being 80 years old, and Cam Newton Jr., or Cam Newton, well, I think Cam Newton Jr. might actually be a better quarterback at this point, but <laughs> Cam, Cam Newton is still out there on the market for a reason because he struggled with the Panthers last year. So we decided to look at one of Seattle's own free agents here, Geno Smith. The Seahawks reportedly have been in discussions with him about bringing him back. So here's the deal, Nick, and you got to decide whether you're going to take it or not. One year for $2.5 million can make up to $5 million with incentives. Are you saying deal or no deal to bring in Geno Smith back? This actually might be my easiest deal, um, and I'll explain a few things and and the year ago this would this would be laughable of course but um times have certainly changed what what, what you, you saw when he was when he was starting in in place of Russell Wilson when Russell went down he clearly had command of the offense now obviously there's some limitations with Geno Smith and right now that that's kind of where the Seahawks are looking at they're looking at guys with limitations either in experience or ability you know they're they're not bringing in one of the studs of the league and Geno Smith had two games, or I believe three games, of a passer rating better than 90 uh, in, in those starts. Um, and he clearly had a rapport with DK Metcalf. He, he has knowledge of Shane Waldron's offense. And I think the ideal scenario that we're, that is, it's, it's kind of heading this direction, I think, is camp will be Drew Locke, maybe Geno Smith, and a rookie who's got it. And, and kind of a three-way competition between a proven or a backup veteran who's who's been in the league a long time in Geno Smith, kind of a, a chip on the shoulder, reject, Drew Locke, and a rookie. I, I think that's a pretty ideal scenario, um, post-Russell Wilson era at least, uh, of your quarterback situation. So you, you bring in a guy who, who's, who knows the offense, maybe can keep that quarterback room a bit stable because um, the, the other two situations are not as stable and, and, and maybe not as mature and, and – um, and if he happens to win the job and, and, and can orchestrate the Seahawks to, you know, and it might give Seahawks a few fans, a head, a, a stomach ache, you know, eight, nine wins and maybe sneak in the playoffs. I know that would ruin some dreams of some draft positions in 2023, but, um, I think it's, it's, as far as the quarterback situation goes, Geno Smith is your best option right now because he had, he's knows this offense. He knows this city. And he knows he has rapport with with the player. So this is an easy deal for me. I'm going to say no deal. And it's not because I don't want Geno Smith back. If you looked at my recent articles on all Seahawks, I have made it clear that they should be trying to re-sign him. But I'm not doing it for 
much more money than what he's gotten paid the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe the incentives, you could move it up to three or four million because there's a chance he could be your starter, maybe even five. But his base salary would have to be a little smaller. When you have less than $10 million in effective cap space, those are the type of decisions you have to make. And that's probably what the Seahawks are in the middle of trying to figure out when it comes to bringing back Geno Smith. I agree with you on a lot of the points that you made. The offense moved well enough with him in there. He actually was a better third down passer than what Russell Wilson was. Completed almost 70% of his passes. He and DK Metcalf had great chemistry. He knows the offense. So there are a lot of reasons why it would make sense. I think they should bring him back. But for the sake of this game, that contract, I would like the base salary to be closer to veteran minimum with the incentives that are there. And maybe I'm just being finicky, but when you can only pick two out of five contracts to say deal on, I got to say no deal on this one. All right, staying on offense, protecting whoever the quarterback is. Eric Fisher bounced back from an Achilles injury with the Colts last season and started most of their games in 2021. He's back on the free agent market. So deal or no deal, Nick, one year, six and a half million dollars for Eric Fisher to be the stopgap, maybe that bridge left tackle in 2022. Oh, six and a half million has me hand wringing a little bit. Uh, that, that That's a little steep, especially like you mentioned with the limited space, but I'm going to go controversial here. I'm going to use my first two deals on the first two offers. I know this is a, a, a bit surprising, but I, I think that this, there's way more question marks on offense. And right now your tackles are Stone Forsyth and Jake Curran. I, I think Jake Curran, I think that's, that's frankly pathetic. The, the tackle position is an absolute gaping wide hole. And there, I know Dwayne Brown is still out there. And ideally, obviously, I would prefer Dwayne Brown over Eric Fisher or, you know, any of the ones I just mentioned um, that are currently on the roster. Dwayne Brown is the ideal guy to bring back. But we're not talking Dwayne Brown. We're, ta- we're talking if, if in this scenario, I interpreted this as Dwayne Brown's not available. What about Eric Fisher? I'm going to say deal because you bring in a guy who's 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 still he's very experienced at tackle and also. He's about replacement level right now. I'd say he's he's not going to be an absolute liability at tackle. He's not going to be a game changer. Um, he he he's he's been there done. He's, he's got plenty of experience. You know, I think I got baseball in the brain right now um, with opening day and with it. You know, he, he's like a zero war player. He's not going to be negative war, you know, but he's also not going to push the envelope and be a positive, you know, uh, impact player at tackle. But you got to have a guy. You gotta have a left tackle, especially if you're gonna bring in a, a rookie quarterback that we all kind of assume is gonna happen at some point. You're gonna want an experienced tackle, even if he isn't an all pro. Obviously, Dwayne Brown, I prefer, but Eric Fisher, if it's between him and the guys currently on the roster, the, the tackle position, it, the offensive line besides guard, really is in is in shambles, in my opinion. And bringing in a guy like him, at least temporarily, to kind of be that bridge until you find your franchise left tackle as you try to franchise find your franchise quarterback you don't want to get your franchise quarterback killed so you bring in a guy that has at least some experience protecting uh some some pretty premier quarterbacks i'm gonna go deal too this might be the only time actually it has to be the only time we're gonna agree because you've already done your two deals here but their their tackle situation right now i think stone Forsyth and jay curhan could be starters in the league but you can't go into 2022 without bringing in at least one proven veteran that can compete against them. They, they have three tackles on the roster right now. And Eric Fisher, even though he gave up seven sacks last year, he still had a respectable run blocking grade from Pro Football Focus, blocking for Jonathan Taylor. 
Two years ago, he had an 80 overall grade. He's only 31. I would not give a multi-year deal just because he did have a significant injury two years ago. Was not as good in pass pro. But I think another year removed from that Achilles injury that he can still be a high-level functional starter. He's got enough athleticism to play in a zone scheme like what Seattle's going to be running. And so for $6.5 million, he was paid more than 8 last year at the Colts. I think Dwayne Brown's going to still want 8 or $9 million minimum to play next season. I actually think in terms of value that Eric Fisher makes more sense. So I'm going to go deal. Now going to the defensive side of the football, going to go two defensive linemen here in a row. We've got Melvin Ingram, one year, $4 million, and defensive tackle Akeem Hicks, one year, five and a half. Uh, five and a half million dollars. You obviously cannot ch- uh, take either one of these, but let's just play devil's advocate here. If you could take a deal, which one of those two would you pick and why? I'd probably go Melvin Ingram. Um, I, I just think that there's a there's a bigger need out, out on the edge than I know. Mickey Hicks is a, is a, he can be a bit more versatile, but I, I just think that there's there's some ability left for for Melvin Ingram. Not that there isn't for Hicks, but um, I just think with what you have with Shelby Harris, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, um, I, I think you can get what you would get from Akeem Hicks there. I, I just like I like Melvin Ingram. I, I've watched him a lot. I I watched plenty of uh, a Chargers football when he was a Charger, and I like what I see. Obviously, it's a bit different of an era, but if I had to pick between the two, I just think that the need a lot, out more outside of, as a, he's more of a he's more edgy <laughs> than than uh, Akeem Hicks is, and so I I would I would probably prefer him just out of position out of need. Yeah, I think if this would have been the beginning of free agency, then this choice would have been Akeem Hicks. But as you mentioned, they brought in Shelby Harris as part of that trade for Russell Wilson. And Shelby Harris brings a lot of similar qualities, not quite as big of a guy, but can play defensive tackle, can play base defensive, and has the ability to turn up the heat on quarterbacks, had six sacks in two of the past three seasons. He's put together some really nice years getting pressure on the quarterback. Quentin Jefferson had 50 pressures last year. So they've already filled their quota as far as those guys that can play multiple spots on the defensive line, have some pass rushing ability, can also stuff the run, playing the interior. As much as it'd be nice to put Akeem Hicks back with Sean Desai, there's really not a reason to do it. And Ingram, if I had to pick between these two, would be the one that I hit deal on. But I'm going to do no deal on both these guys just because – you just brought in Uchenna Nwosu, who's going to be your starter across from Daryl Taylor. It would be a bit of a role reversal because Nwosu was behind Ingram the first three years of his career with the Chargers. It would be flipped here in Seattle. And certainly that veteran presence would be nice to have around. But I think you go draft at that position because there's a lot of really intriguing edge guys. And I think Nwosu and Taylor... Maybe after the draft, you could get Ingram at a little cheaper price. It would make sense. But even four and a half million, I'm just I'm not pulling the trigger on that right now. I would rather bring in some rookies. I think they should draft multiple edges in this draft class because it's deep, it's talented, and you got a lot of guys that really fit the type of scheme that they're moving towards, which leads to the last one here, which obviously, Nick, I'm gonna be saying deal on this one. And that's for cornerback Stefan Gilmore. One year, $10 million. Now our listeners might be like, you're going to blow up our salary cap because you already took one contract earlier. I'm going to extend Puna Ford. I didn't put that in the rules. I'm allowed to do that. So Puna Ford gets extended, lower cap it. I can fit Stefan Gilmore in. I know he's getting to be an older corner, Nick, but he had the third highest grade in man coverage last year on Pro Football Focus, over an 85-grade man coverage. He has consistently been 
one of the elite man cover corners in football. And I just think you put him across from Sidney Jones or maybe Sauce Gardner. I mean, I'm all in here. Sidney Jones ends up being your number three corner. I think that's a great situation for the Seattle Seahawks, especially because Devon Gilmore has had some injury issues the last couple of years. But I am taking that one-year flyer at $10 million because if he's out there on the field with us running more man coverage, he can do zone. You've got great safeties around him. They think they're going to have a better pass rush. He can create turnovers and bunches. That was something they couldn't do last year. If he pans out that $10 million investment, I would probably want this to have some incentives filled in there, but it's going to be tough with a player of his caliber to do that. I would still do one year for $10 million because I believe he's still got good football left in him, and he would really fill a lot of the things they're looking for in this new scheme. Well, obviously I'm going no deal because I, I did I used mine up. But, man, you got me a little excited <laughs> thinking of Sauce Gardner and Stephon Gilmore along with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That kind of secondary? That that's that's a playoff secondary, really. If you just playoffs? looking at that, <laughs> playoffs. I know, right? Um, but yeah, the the ten million dollar price tag is certainly a concern. Um, that is that is if I could find some way to make the base salary a little less, and yeah, the incentives add up to ten, which a, a guy of his pedigree maybe he wouldn't agree to, especially since Seattle has I think kicked the tires on him before, and maybe there just there hasn't been that. Uh, but maybe it's been kind of a square peg round hole thing with with him and the Seahawks I think in the past but um, with this new scheme and new staff perhaps that's different um, so if there's any way you can get that price tag a little lower or at least incentivize it instead of base it um, I, I'm on board especially yeah if they somehow get Sauce Gardner and that, that's your combo for for cornerback sign me up but yeah, obviously I'm going no deal here but I just think it's mostly the price tag point with and I, I just think there's bigger there's bigger holes to fill right now on offense. Yeah, they've got some big areas that they need to address on offense, and I think that there are still some positions that need on defense as well. But I think we can all agree on offense, especially that tackle position. They've got some major question marks there. Speaking of question marks, many of you might be like me, and you're questioning, can I stick with my New Year's resolution or not? We are now in April, usually by this time of year. Uh, my goals are long out the window and I'm back in pre whatever year it is mode, but not this year because I've got built bar and they are absolutely delicious. 100% real chocolate. If you haven't tried the built bar puffs just yet, you need to get on that. They are protein infused marshmallows, amazing flavors. My favorite banana cream pie. I'll eat three or four of them in one sitting. Just fantastic pre-workout, post-workout, or just a midnight snack under 200 calories less than five net carbs, 17 grams of protein. And of course, you've got your regular built Bars with a ton of amazing flavors as well. Peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite. You got orange cream, salted caramel, cookies and cream. They're coming out with new flavors every month. So make sure to check out built.com and see what they're cooking up this month. Go to their website, built.com, and you can get 15% off with the code LOCK15. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Nick Lee. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We just broke down five free agents that could still intrigue the Seahawks, played a little bit of a spirited game of deal or no deal, but it's time to get back to what really matters right now, and that is preparing for the 2022 NFL Draft because I can't believe it. We're, we're less than three weeks away from the start of the festivities 
in Las Vegas. The Seahawks have a top 10 pick, which they haven't had since, I think, the beginning of the Barack Obama administration. It's been that long. But two presidents since then. Yeah, there's been two presidents that have been in office since then. So it's been a long time since the Seahawks have had a top 10 pick, and they will have one. Now, who knows if John Schneider will actually stay at number nine or not. Trader John might be moving back as we speak. But the Seahawks right now have that top 10 pick. And there is a position that has been an Achilles heel for this offensive line for a number of seasons. And you and I talked about it ad nauseum last year. Center, you need to go out and get an upgrade. They didn't do it last year. They brought back Ethan Posick and Kyle Fuller. Posick finished the season strong, but it wasn't good enough for them to justify bringing him back. They actually made a change. They brought in Austin Blythe in free agency. He was a three-year starter for the Rams. He's played for Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson. That's great. He could be potentially your long-term guy because he is a great scheme fit. He's still under 30 years old. But I think you probably agree with me on this. Going into this draft, I'm not resting on my laurels at the center position. I'm at least looking for a quality backup because we've seen what Kyle Fuller is. We haven't really gotten a chance to see Dakota Shepley yet, but he's never played an offensive snap in a regular season game. Probably not a long-term answer as a backup either. They'd love to give him a chance to compete. That's great. But I think they at least need to get somebody on day three that they can develop behind Austin Blythe, who's on a one-year deal. And if Blythe doesn't work out as as, uh, planned out, you have somebody else that you can bring in. So somebody that's got starter upside, or you could go bold early in this draft and just go get yourself an upgrade. Austin Blythe has played guard and center. He can become your swing guard and center. He doesn't have to be the starter at a one-year $4 million clip. You could go out and get an upgrade potentially in this draft class as well. And that's what makes this such a fun conversation. Yeah, I, maybe it's just a, as a former center myself, and I just have seen um, the. I just not that I played at the NFL level, but just just how important that position is. And and I, I was an idiot, so obviously we weren't very good. But um, just <laughs> just just how just how and in some of the you know the the the, crew, the 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 top teams in the league usually at least have an above average center or an experienced center. And I, and Austin Blythe, you great. Shane Waldron can can if he can turn him into a you know league average center fine that, that that's it, actually that'd be quite an accomplishment but I I really really think that if you're truly starting over I know they really haven't used that terminology but when you find it when you're tr- looking for to draft a quarterback here you're, you're going to start over a little bit um I think you find your franchise center you got and I I would argue it's a top 3 need in, in top 4 need maybe in, in the draft and obviously the, the guy I, I wrote about the guy I love everyone loves really he's he's a top he's a consensus I think top 20 pick and in, in, in most cases Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa there's as far as center goes it's Tyler Linderbaum and then it's like the minds of Moria plus Mariana Trench and then everybody else <laughs> <laughs> so if you're if, if you're truly going for a franchise altering keystone center, Tyler Linderbaum is the only guy that if you're looking at that kind of impact early in the draft. So yeah, that would mean using a, a, your first round pick. Now I I'm of the opinion that that trader John can trade down to maybe 13, 14 and still get him. Um, that, that that's when I've been doing some fun mock mock draft simulators myself, that's usually where I go. That's usually my security blanket is, is trading down a few slots, picking up an extra pick later 
and get myself Tyler Linderbaum. I have, you could call him one of my man crushes of the draft, I guess, because <laughs> uh, I just, I just, you know, Iowa football, you know, he's got the, he's got the pedigree. He's got the, the football IQ, um, the, the coaching staff there at Iowa prepares these guys for the NFL like no other. Mm-hmm. They have a pro style offense. They, they, they're just a gritty school and program. They just overachieve all the time. And I just, I'm a huge fan of those kind of football players. And, and you want a guy like that anchoring. You want a nasty guy that, that that can anchor that offensive line, especially when it's full of young or unproven guys. A guy in the middle that can that can bark signals, that can that can anchor in, in the center of the line to avoid getting your quarterback uh, destroyed from up the middle. Just all those things that that our center brings. Tyler Linderbaum is in the absolute impact player that you that you want, especially if you're starting over, as at least on offense. Yeah, he's center number one, and then, as you mentioned, the gap is just incredibly wide between him and the next player. Now, I will throw this caveat in there. In terms of long-term, I'm a strong believer that Zion Johnson, the offensive lineman from Boston College, could be a very good center in the NFL. But he didn't play any center at Boston College. He only played at the Senior Bowl. Now, did he look like a natural? Absolutely. But that was just the senior bowl. I think he would need time. So if you're looking at a, for a guy that's going to come in right away and play for you, I don't know that Zion Johnson at center necessarily is going to be ready to do that. He could start on day one at guard, but the Seahawks don't have as big of a need at that position with Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis. So Linderbaum's the one that makes the most sense because he's got the light feet. Not a huge guy by any means, but he plays much bigger than he looks. And coming from Iowa, I'm with you. I, I just love that program. They do a fantastic job of developing guys for the NFL. They get a lot of two- and three-star recruits, and they're always near the top of the Big Ten, it feels like. Just a physical, well-coached football team. And those guys come into the league, and they are prepared. They are ready to go. So Iowa players typically hit the ground running. So Linderbaum, I think, would be a lot of fun. Now, once you look at that gap and you take Zion Johnson out of the equation, Cole Strange is probably on the Seahawks board, the number two center out of Chattanooga. And I mentioned him earlier in the show. They had him in for one of their top 30 visits, or at least they're reportedly going to meet with him before the draft in one of those top 30 visits. And there are some parallels between him and Linderbaum and their playing style. You can see that light feet, quick lateral movement. You can see all of those things that you're looking for from a lineman that's going to excel in a zone blocking scheme. And he had the best broad jump of any offensive lineman at the combine. Top five three-cone drill time. So you know he can move, change of direction for a big guy. And around a five-second 40-yard dash, which is pretty good. So he is a very good athlete. Those are the kind of players they're going to be looking for now in Shane Waldron's system compared to what we saw with a different line coach. Now that Mike Solari's out of town, though, and Andy Dickerson's taken over, they're going to be going all in on some of those changes looking for more athletic linemen that fit this scheme. And so I certainly think that he could fit that particular style offense. You're just going to have to wonder about the small school thing. The Seahawks typically don't draft FCS guys. Now, they definitely are interested in Cole Strange. I just don't know. He's not as high on my list. I personally am big on Donovan West out of Arizona State. I've gotten to watch a lot of Pac-12 football living out here out West. And every time I've watched Arizona State, 
their center has jumped out to me. He's had a few little injuries, but he's always played the games that I've watched. And another guy that's pretty athletic, you can see the athleticism on film. He's played some guard before, a little bigger bodied guy. So I feel like he could be more scheme versatile. If you wanted to run some gap stuff, you could absolutely run it with him. I like the pass protection stuff. Late day two, early day three. That's a guy that I think can come in and compete for snaps right away. Those are the kind of players that the Seahawks should be looking for across the board, but especially the center position. Get somebody that can push Blythe, and I think Donovan West could do that. Yeah, I like West too. I'm a bit, I'm a bit concerned with Cole Strange just for the fact that I think I read 44 career starts, only one at center, and you're talking about yep. only one start at center. And then also that being at the FCS level, um, absolutely a project uh, at center. That, that would be an absolute project. And I don't want any more projects at center. I want a guy. I, I, I get the, the appeal. I do. Um, I think West, Donovan West is certainly less of a project that, that, at center. And and maybe Cole Strange has a higher ceiling. And that's the whole you know high floor versus high ceiling, which one would you rather have kind of thing. Um, and obviously Linderbaum is the, the gold standard. He, I, I am of the opinion he's as good, perhaps better than Creed Humphrey. I know that maybe be of a, a hot take now because Creed Humphrey had himself a heck of a rookie season. Um, I'm still bitter about the Seahawks not taking him, but that that's uh water under the bridge. Now I can't put the toothpaste back in the, in the, in the tube. Um, but it, it's between those two. Wes is certainly more starter ready. Um, you know, pack 12 football. And he is a bit uh, a bigger guy that has a better anchor, and at maybe maybe he loses a bit as far as lateral athletic athleticism because of that. But I think he can just take on more sheer mass. Um, so those guys for sure are on the list. And again, that's it's it's tough to to get off of Linderbaum, but I know that the Seahawks are definitely looking at other options um, when when you're talking about centers. But Donovan West is a guy um, I, I got to watch it play a lot too because I, I also watched a lot of Pac-12 football and. I, I like the the versatility, not only scheme wise, but positionally wise. You know, heaven forbid, you know, it doesn't work out at center. You maybe get a guy that in the next draft that you like better. You can you can move him over a little bit more. There's a bit more versatility with West. I think that, that he's a bit more uh, useful. Where uh, guys even up to Linderbaum might be a bit more position specific and not as versatile as far as positions go. But again, I I just want to hammer home the fact that the Seahawks cannot figure. I I just feel like what's his name from from the, the, the rant about the men's national soccer team. Like, what are we doing? Just get a, get a guy, just get your franchise corner, your, your, your cornerstone at center. And I don't care if it's trade or draft or what, and, and move forward. So I'm not a huge fan of, of looking in, in day three in the project, unless you maybe draft uh, a couple guys you like that think that you can, you can develop into stars. Um, I'm, I'm not really, a huge fan of drafting a guy as a project and banking on him working out. Cause I'm not a huge Austin Blythe fan. He was a non-factor last year. Um, but you know, I, I know I'm, I might be in a rare opinion where I really do think the Seahawks should take a long, hard look at taking Linderbaum at, at, in the first round. If, if you're looking for a guy that's not a project on, on day three, like I said, I think Donovan West early day three, if he's still there, would make a lot of sense. But Luke Fortner from Kentucky is one of my top five centers. And there are a lot of draft experts that are looking at him saying, 300 pounds, he's undersized. I'm concerned about him being able to handle in the NFL. Have you watched Kentucky tape? This guy plays much bigger than 300 pounds. He's extremely intelligent. In fact, I th- I'm pretty sure he has an engineering degree. That is the kind of guy I want playing center for me 
as my main communicator to the rest of my offensive line and played in the rugged SEC, started almost 40 games, and most of them were at center. So this isn't Cole Strange where you're coming for an FCS, you only started one game. Luke Fortner is a proven SEC all-conference center. So if he somehow is there early on day three, I mean, I wouldn't have an issue if they picked him at pick 72 in the third round. I wouldn't have any issues with that. I think he's that caliber of player. A lot of these draft sites are listing him as a late day three, though. If he ends up falling that far, then you could get yourself an absolute bargain. So while there is a huge gap from Linderbaum to the rest of these centers, I do think that there are a handful of guys coming from bigger schools. Alec Lindstrom's another one that might make some sense in his own scheme that you can draft later that I truly believe can be starters in this league. So I guess my big thing, there's no excuse, Seahawks. Even if you think Austin Blythe can be the guy, go get somebody else that could be the guy, a young guy that can compete against him. And isn't that what the always compete philosophy is about anyway? Go get yourself a young guy with that kind of upside. And if he beats out the veteran you signed, that's great. That is great news for you now and even better news for you in years to come with that guy on a rookie contract. So we'll see what they end up doing. A lot of options out there. You and I would agree that Linderbaum is head and shoulders above everybody else. But if you can get a guy like Luke Fortner or Donovan West, there are other centers. Cam Jurgens from Nebraska is another one that I think can start in the NFL that might be available on day three. There is some depth in this class for them to go James get the quality backup. If not, a guy that can beat out Austin Blythe to become your starter. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51 Check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and five days a week streaming on youtube coming up on monday it'll be another mock draft monday i'll be rejoined by rob rang we'll be checking out some of the newest mock drafts floating around on the internet and we'll continue our draft preview series looking at linebackers enjoy the rest of your weekend thanks for listening in go hawks